Well, uh, you're back, and that's kind of scary because if somebody told me they were preaching on Revelations, and then they said it was summer school, I probably would have stayed at home. So thanks for coming back. I really do appreciate it. Um, I hope that as we look at the book of Revelations, that many times scares people away, or they say, that's that book that I don't read, or as I talked about last week, I agree with uh, Luther, and it should not have been included in the canon, and you can sound very you know, scholarly as you say that. It is a book that has got some difficult passages to interpret. But if we'll take the most simplest form of it, because I'm a pretty simple preacher, and look at this as a book that is written to seven churches, seven real churches, seven actual locations, with seven different congregations, just like First Baptist Church of Helotus. And the word of the Lord came to John that Jesus said, Speak this unto my churches. Last week was a uh, Sunday of introduction as well as some expectations and benefits that you would get by studying this particular book. I hope that as we think about summer school, and I was reminded, I think Debbie Horn, maybe somebody said summer school, only summer school she ever went to, and I thought, I, I did too, driver's ed. So think of this as driver's ed. I mean, that's about the best summer school you ever had, right? I mean, if you get to, to drive after taking this class, it ought to be pretty good. But today we, we look at this first book, the book or the first letter uh, that is to the church at Ephesus. Um, as I said, each of these churches was sent to a real, real place. And you've heard a lot about Ephesus in the past. Paul spent his longest time in ministry at a church at Ephesus. You have a Another letter in the New Testament written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. And this is approximately uh, written 35 years later than Paul's letter to that church. I think I have a slide of turkey, not a slice of turkey, yeah. Um, also called Asia Minor. And those of you, I was trying to remember, Ed, you told me, you were you at Prinserlik or Diabaker? Diabaker. I've been to Prinserlik and Diabaker and Enserlik. And Enserlik is closer to, you see Tarsus? Uh, Saul's home. Uh, Enserlik is just to the west of that uh, and south of Adana. Um, you would be further around that corner, closer to Syria, where you were stationed, right? Back in the 50s. Yeah, to the east. Yeah. East, yeah. Uh, but Ephesus, if you can see over here on the western coast of Turkey, is right there. And actually, back in the day when you could travel in the Middle East a lot more with Air Force chaplains, I've got one here, they used to do the Seven Churches Tour. I came in a little too late to get that. I wish I could have. And I started bringing out the pictures of the archaeological digs. And you could go, because it's, you, you need to see this is a real place. It's not some mythical, you know, some kind of made-up location. This was a, a city that was considered to be the gateway to Asia, Ephesus, on the coast. It was known for its, its coastline. It was known for its harbor, known for its ocean travel. Interestingly, that the river that flows into it, the silt has become so long or so large that it's no longer good for a port city. It's just better for beaches now. But it was one of the wealthiest cities in Asia Minor. It, it was known for, well, let's say not only its commerce, but it was also a very eclectic uh, country or eclectic city. Over six different tribes lived in Ephesus. Uh, you'd have Romans, you'd have Jews, you would have uh, 
Turks, if you will, or those that were indigenous people. You had expatriates from other countries, and there they practiced all their different faiths, all their different beliefs, and would also become the home to about 14 different major temples, big temples. In fact, the biggest one you might have heard of um, is the temple <clears throat> that was dedicated to Artemis. Um, it was larger than a football field. I think the dimensions were something like 450 foot long and about 250 feet wide. Uh, historians can tell you how many columns it has. Interesting thing, if you would go there and if you look at pictures online, it's all gone these days. But it was a um, temple dedicated to a Greek or um, goddess, if you will, that uh, was known for uh, nature as a hunter. And then also she later became uh, this goddess uh, that would be associated with childbirth. Uh, interestingly, I think in NASA we actually named one of our lunar landers after uh, that goddess. Artemis was the goddess of the hunt. And there with these temples to lesser gods, you even had a temple to Caesar. Uh, as you know, that as I talked about last week during uh, the elder, John the elder's time frame, worship of Caesar became... Uh, widespread throughout the Roman Empire, so much so that from Paul's time where Christianity was accepted by the time of the book of Revelations being written, there was persecution of Christians. So with that little bit of backdrop, um, Jesus gives them encouragement. And let me read for you, uh, just to be different because some of you may have fallen asleep already because Cliff's been talking for now about five minutes. Stand up with me, please, as I read verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2, if you're able to stand. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Thank you. Now, if you stayed awake, you can take your seat. If you're still awake, you can notice it down. Most commentators recognize at least five to seven common elements of each one of these seven letters. Obviously, who's speaking, who they're speaking to, some observation about them, what they've done right, what they've done wrong, and then something about what's going to happen to them or kind of basically a reward. So rather than going through seven each time, because some of them are very obvious, we, we in fact, if you have... Uh, what I call an old school Bible, uh, my King James Bible that uh, I use still frequently, uh, this section is probably in red, uh, being Jesus' word. So 
this is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. But because we're also in this uh, summer school session, I thought it'd be nice to have three different headings, three different points, if you will. I know that's a lot for some of you to think Cliff is going to have a three-point sermon every Sunday, but guarantee some of the points will be shorter. We're going to look at these three different things. We're going to look at the report card from the church. This is summer school. We're going to look at homework you need to do. And finally, the reward of going to summer school. So let's begin with the report card. I hate report cards. Uh, and I don't know that it's so much due to the grades or the fact that when I was young, back when they were written in stone, you know, it, truly, the grade card I got was on the hardest piece of cardboard. Anybody remember that? They were on this, like, I don't know, trifold that went inside of an envelope. And on the back side of ours, these are mostly from the elementary school years, it had your height and your weight. And when you're wearing husky pants in fourth grade, and all your buddies know it, you don't need to have your weight written on there. So I don't really like report cards. But you remember getting report cards, and undoubtedly you remembered, and I don't know, maybe in modern day, let me see, somebody who's still in school right now, and I don't talk about collegiate level, I'm talking grade school, high school, middle school, whatever, do you still get grades? They're all in children's church. Yes, somebody still gets a grade. And there was a time in my life they gave you an S. And then you could get a, a U. And then you could get an I, I think, incomplete. S-I-U, that's my alma mater. <laughs> Satisfactory, incomplete, and unstellar. But... At some point then, they transitioned from those little letter things like that that didn't offend the child too much to A, B, C, and I know I've got teachers in here too. A, B, C, D, and I think we got E's before we got F's. I think we got F's in high school, E's in grade school. Was, what, what happened to the letter E for grading? If there were Z's allowed to be given, some of us would have got those. And then you had pluses and minuses, you know, C plus, almost a B, that kind of thing. But let's look for just a second. If I could give a report card, and I know it's very presumptuous to say, Cliff, you, you didn't write this, you're just reading this. But I think most of us could agree on some of these scores if I list those are the grades for the church at Ephesus. A B plus in work. And I love how that word, I know of your work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You've tested them and on and on. It ties in with our study from James, talking about a faith without works is dead, and we want to have a living faith, and we want to be involved in our, the work of our Lord. So the reason I gave them a B plus is simply because he says, I know you cannot tolerate wicked men. I don't know what he did, they did to change the wicked men. And also, if you, don't, if you give everybody an A to start with, then they get offended when they get something less. Perseverance, I gave them an A for sure. He, because, he says, you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name. How many times in your life have you endured hardships or, or persecution of some sort because of the name of Jesus? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. More often, it's from our own actions we get hardships. You know, we make bad decisions. We go in the wrong places. We pick up the wrong habits, and we have penalties for that. They got an A for that. Now, here's the one that the book of, of, or this letter to Ephesus is known the most for. You have what? Your first love. You have forgotten, left. 
I wanted to play the Top Gun little clip, you know, you've lost, or she's lost that love and feeling. And those of you who know I'm here from Sunday, or here from Sunday to Sunday, I usually play a video. But I'm going to do one better. I didn't play that. My wife and I saw that movie right before I came in the Air Force. Uh, so she was only three at the time, I believe. And so too was probably Tom Cruise, right? But uh, I'm going to do this. It's, it's been kicked back. There's a Top Gun 2 coming out. Those of you who are still with me, you know, whenever it comes out, I think it's going to come out around Thanksgiving time frame. Uh, I guarantee I will take her on a solo date, just, or maybe she won't invite a couple of our kids. I'm going to take the church on a date to that out of my own pocket, not on the church budget. So if anybody wants to go see Top Gun 2 when it comes out, and we can sing it together. Hopefully they'll sing, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, and I want all of you to sing with me. But uh, I'm not buying your popcorn because that's more expensive than the movie. But it sounds like somebody in the love area of the love subject should have heard the Summer of Love series that we did from 1 Corinthians 13. So I, I like how John and Jesus is communicating some of the same things I think we've been trying to talk about for the past year in our worship and in our preaching. And then he says, you hate. And he says, I have this one thing. For, he's, he's gone from saying, you know, it's, it's kind of like how you do counseling. Here's something you're very good at. Here's something you can improve at. And he says... You've not done well with leaving your first love, but I do agree with you for hating the work or the, the deeds of the Nicolaitans and different ways to pronounce that. I mispronounce most things. Uh, that word is a combination of conquer. Nicholas, your, word, your name is a combination of conquer and laity or people, conquer the people. And these guys will be mentioned, I think, in the, in the, the letter to uh, Pergam. Um, they're also associated with Baalites. There's not a whole lot of information theologically, uh, you know, religious commentators and historians. We don't know a whole lot about them. But suffice it to say that Jesus is elevating, giving them a, a good grade because they hate the actions of these evil people. The reason I gave them a B is because you don't see them loving and trying to change those people. Now, some of you say maybe you score too hard. But the message that they hated their actions is something that we all can grow in. Because we often get riled up by politics. We get upset by Supreme Court rulings. We have our opinions about alternate lifestyles. And then we turn our displeasure of the action towards the person and end up hating both the action and the actor. Jesus is telling us it's good to hate the bad thing. But don't hate the person. Love the person. Now, probably because of your grade card, you had to go to summer school. If you did not do well, you got an unsatisfactory or an incomplete. I even said last week, maybe some of you went to summer school because you wanted to get ahead. You wanted to be smarter than your contemporaries or you know, just a little bit better off for the next year. But the common reason for going to summer school is you missed it or you failed it. So I want to ask you a question. Go to the next slide, guys. If you had a piece of paper, how would you grade our church? And as you're pondering your grades, think about this. How many of you ever had group projects in school? Multiple people to get one grade. And what about those people who did nothing? And they got an A because you did all the work. 
Or they did nothing and you got a C because they didn't do their part. So before we have a cat fight in church, I'll just let you keep thinking about that. Because church is a group assignment with personal responsibilities. All right. So here's your grade. Now let's look at homework. I hope you'll be able to sing, she found that loving feeling. But we all have left homework at one time or another. You know, they left, he says, you've left your first love. And there are some commentators who argue is that first love, the love of one another, the love of, you know, followers of Christ, or is it the love of Christ? I, I think it's easy to say it's both. You, if you forget to love Christ, you will forget to love one another. So it is this combination. And he challenges us, your homework, is to go find that, to reclaim that, to rekindle that. Because, as I said, we've all forgotten our homework one time or another. And I'm, I know there are classic excuses if the dog ate my homework or, you know, if somebody spilled something on it. And we often find reasons to justify our behavior. But Jesus is challenging each of us today to love like we've been loved, to love him like he has loved us. Our church, our spiritual health is dependent upon his love. And if you leave that love, you die. The church dies and we fail. So here are just some quick things I'd like for us. And I know this is a little bit different for you guys. I don't typically have multiple slides, but look, I'll just throw them all up there so we can kind of walk through them pretty fast. Rekindle love. We maintain relationships with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with our coworkers by being in their presence. You know, those of you uh, men, I'll pick on you only. If you haven't taken your spouse on a date in a while, do so. No, I'm not funding that. I'll fund the movie, and yeah, you can, hey, Cliff's taking you on a date back in November. You take your spouse on a date. I learned from my landlords when I was in seminary who were married during the Great Depression. Sometimes we just got bologna sandwiches and went to the park in Fort Worth and sat down on a bench, and that was our date night. Let me tell you, doing that with your spouse would be a good thing. When's the last time as a family you played a game, a board game? Put the phones away, turn the TV, the computer, every, iPads, all that electronic stuff. Play a board game. Pictionary, I'll throw that up. That's a fun game for folks to do together. And it builds, it restores that perhaps some of that stress. And it may cause some. Yeah, some of you, I spend too much time with my family, I get angry. No, I'm trying to get you to spend time with them to restore and rekindle love. Second, stop the neglect. Stop neglecting. Our love and our passion for God. You know, it's, it's like the campfire illustration. If you don't keep stoking, if you don't keep caring for the fire, it eventually will go out. So that means maintaining that relationship with God. And, and I know that, you know, I talk about Facebook on occasion. It's a wonderful thing to keep in touch with other people. But it is also a wonderful way to waste a lot of your life. I have wasted hours, I know, on solitaire on my phone. If I would have just gone to the Bible app, instead of looking at solitaire for an hour, killing time. Like I said, it's not evil, but 
it's elective what you're spending your time on. So stop neglecting the Lord. Stop turning away from Him and turn towards Him and see how your life can change. Avoid distractions. Now that, that kind of goes with the Facebook and you know electronics and TV. How many of you have favorite TV shows? Sure you do. So do I. Those of you know I speak in movies. I speak in TV. It's a language all of its own, but, but it's not a very scholarly or spiritual language. Spend time with him. Stop avoiding the distractions of life. And then finally, deal with sin. Oh, we like to skirt around it. We like to not talk about it. But deal with that which have, you have disobeyed the Lord in. An area in your life that you know is wrong. And you, you refuse to deal with it. Turn to it and say, Lord, help me overcome this sin. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand and testify, I have the sin of this or I have this problem. It could be simply witnessing. I think we fail the Lord, we neglect him by not sharing the gospel with other people. Over a year ago, we had a campaign, 300 and 300 days. It was in, it was in cooperation with the 300th anniversary of San Antonio. We were saying, let's say, share the faith with 300 people in 300 days. It wasn't a campaign, folks. You need to be doing it all the time. We may not be lighting up the lights that we were doing when we were trying to show our you know, how, how much we had done over those years or those months. But still, it's the idea of not just being stagnant and doing something for him. It's the idea of coming to Sunday school. You know, we've got a decent group today. Decent. Well, you're all decent. I just want you to know that. But, I mean, you look at the size. You say, oh, okay. But our Sunday school wouldn't be half, well, maybe half of one side of the, the congregation. Spend time with fellow believers, whether it's a small group on Sunday morning, or I know we have discipleship groups that are going to, that are working still. We want to restart those as we continue to, to re-ignite uh, our engines for the Lord. But spend time with others. You know, man, I'm going to say this one. I, I had it last week to say, but avoiding worship because of COVID is probably one of the greatest excuses of the day. I'll tell you this one, too. I see different dimensions of it every time I say it or think it. And Dan and Pierce have heard me say it, and others may have. I was at a, um associational, San Antonio Baptist Associational meeting last month, and one of the pastors I was sitting by quoted another pastor who was not there, who said, our church is you know, struggling since COVID. He said, financially, we're doing okay. And I'm listening because... That's kind of us, too. Financially, we've been doing okay. And, but as far as getting everybody to come back. And then his comment was, this is, like I said, secondhand. This pastor's telling me what this older pastor had told him. He said, yeah, financially, we're doing okay. He said, so I'm wondering, are, are, are they just paying to be left alone? And I thought, man, that's, that's powerful right there. Don't bother me. Oh, I'll send in a tithe so you won't bother me. These words should bother you if you have left your first love. Deal with sin. And, and he gives you a great prescription. It's on the bottom there. He says, remember how, far, how, far, how high you were. You, anybody remember the day they uh, accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior? How excited you were? Or perhaps your baptism? 
I mean, what an exciting day. I mean, Roy, we've talked about it many times. That was a, it was a spiritual event for a Baptist to be baptized. It was a spiritual thing. And how we can fall from such excitement for the Lord to this, I found something else to pursue. He says, remember, repent, and then do. That's verse 5, I believe it is. Let me read that for you quickly. Uh, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, I'm going to come and shut the door on this church. If you don't repent, if you don't remember where you should be, and then go out and do what you've been called to do. You know, it reminds me of uh, our Bible study from James, this book study. He said, um, James says something, I guess, fourth, chap fourth chapter, um, come near to God and he will come near to you. Remember, repent, and do. And then finally, reward. Frequently in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Jesus himself says, he who has ears, let him hear. This is very much Jesus talk, if you will. And you have this Jesus talk on the end of each of these seven letters. So each time, just as I've talked about grading and, and homework, here's the reward. Look at verse 7. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, what is the reward for this letter? Eating and presence with God. So, here I am from classroom, lunch and recess. I mean, Abel... When I picked you up at school, first thing Papa always asked you, what was your favorite thing today? He would say, recess. Second question I would ask him every day when I picked him up was, what'd you have for lunch? Because those were just like my two standard questions, because pretty much I'm on the same level as he is. So he would talk about playing outside. If it's bad weather, he didn't get to play outside. And we'd talk about what he had for lunch. Well, Jesus is telling us that the reward for this letter is lunch and recess with God. When you have access to the tree of life, he says, you will understand and be able to overcome death and suffering. Paradise is a Persian word that is brought into the Greek here that actually means garden or resting place. In fact, you'll see more on that in Revelations 22 when he talks about and describes that garden. But think about this. This is just kind of putting some modern day terms to it. In 2001, the... Uh, Leave No Child Behind Act was passed. And as a result of that, 20% of our national schools dropped recess. It's still mandatory in Texas. Not every state is it mandatory. Here's what I found from the American um, Academy of um, Pediatricians. They said that recess has cognitive, physical, emotional, and social benefits for children. Lunch and recess with God has cognitive, physical, emotional, emotional, and social benefits for the Christian. Recess with God. You'll have those same benefits for you. I came across a book this week called Recess for God. And I actually had that title before I found it. But you know what I do? I start Googling my, my little you know, subjects. And, oh, I wonder if I can find something like that. And I found this book, and it's online. So it was pretty cool. It was a lady named Adian. I want to say Adrian Rogers. Adian Rogers. And she wrote a book about the fact that 
we have been playing with God throughout the, throughout the Old and New Testament. You see characters who wrestle with God, you know, get chased by God, all these kind of, and she uses all of these school uh, playground uh, things to explain to us that if you'll finally come to the realization that God is not trying to hurt you, he's not trying to hold you down, he's trying to have a relationship with you, he's wanting lunch and recess with you. Once you understand how much he loves you, your life will be so much better. So, homework, that was the second one, but I'm going to give you homework. So next week, as we have talked about this last week, to read Ephesus, the letter to Ephesus, read the letter to Smyrna. And as you read it, see if you can understand what the reward is for that church. But right now, I would like for us to have a time of invitation. And during this time of invitation, consider how you would grade yourself. I talked about grading our church. How would you grade yourself in your relationship to the Lord? And during this time of invitation, perhaps if you see yourself with a failing grade, maybe you want to come and, and, and ask Christ into your heart or come and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to do that, repent, and then follow that repentance by publicly saying, I want to rededicate my life. Maybe you're here and you just want to come to these steps and pray, but I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We'll pray. I'll ask the band to come back, and we'll lead us in this invitation hymn. Lord, I do thank you for each and every one who's here. And uh, this subject of Revelation is tough for many of us. Uh, summer school is <laughs> just about as tough. But Lord, I pray that we would learn from uh, your word, your spoken word, your written word for us, the living word that challenges us to never lose our, or leave our first love. And that by loving you, we'll love one another and we will see change in this world in which we live. So let your people move, respond and let your Holy Spirit move. For I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.